0: Well, today we continue this uh, series of messages on the Psalms. We'll also be reading another text from the New Testament from 2 Timothy. Um, So listen now to God's word for us this morning. First from Psalm 71. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray... Do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And then from 2 Timothy uh, verse one, or chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your grandmother and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God, we pray that you would take these words from your scripture and the meditations of my heart and speak to us a clear word this morning that may be helpful for each one of us in our journey with you in this journey called life. We pray that our ears and our minds and our hearts would be open to what you have to say to us may you challenge us and also comfort us and we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior amen so I read a book oh when I was a young man uh, many years ago I was probably in my late 30s early 40s really wasn't a great book to be honest, the whole thing, but there was one chapter that has stuck with me uh, for all these years, and has the title of the the chapter was "What kind of old man do you want to be?" That's a great question, or "What kind of old woman do you want to be?" What kind of old person do you want to be? Great question, because it. It reminds us that it's always good to begin with the end in mind and then work backwards, right? What type of person do I wanna be in that last chapter of my life or your life if God uh, allows us to grow old? Important question to ask because I've shared with this, this with you before, but I, man, one of my prayers always is that I may finish well. You know, one of the benefits of being a pastor is being with people at the end of their lives, uh, true honor. Also to, uh, you know, officiate memorial services. And I often say this at a memorial service. I thought when I graduated from seminary, I would love weddings and not so love officiating memorials and funerals, celebrations of life. But now it's really quite the opposite. I I like weddings. (laughs) But too much pressure. (laughs) And uh, they become such a big deal that sometimes I wonder if we're kind of losing what they're really all about. But memorials, wow, something that I, I thought would be hard. I've grown to really enjoy because I get to sit with a family and loved ones and talk to them about their loved ones. Sometimes I don't know the person who has died, and so I have to meet with the family and gather information. And we usually spend 45 minutes to an hour just, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mom. What what did you appreciate about your mom? And then to hear people share at the service. Wow, it's really remarkable. I mean, I I have to tell you, I've done a a number of, I've done over 200, (laughs) officiated over 200 memorials. But I've officiated uh, quite a few here even at uh, Piedmont and what amazing people (laughs) that I get to learn about. And every time I, I officiate a memorial, I leave thinking, Man, Steve, you better clean it up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta share a funny story with you. You know, a lot of a lot of churches, especially churches that have screens where you can do this, uh, they now show a slideshow of the person. Uh, You know, photos of memories from that person's life. And I officiated this memorial for a, a lawyer from our church and. Uh, he was kind of not real involved. I'd see him Christmas and, and Easter, maybe some other times. But, wow, what a slideshow. <laughs> I knew why he wasn't in church. <laughs> he was skiing. He was water skiing, m- m- mountain biking in Moab. You know, all these different adventures. And they had a cabin up at Lake Eleanor. And, oh, man, it was just all the great family times and everything. And I went home. And these weren't the exact words, but I told Leslie, my wife, I said, man, i got to start living or my slideshow is really going to be bad. (laughs) And she said, Steve, all you do is work. You know, you don't have weekends, which is true. But what kind of old person do you want to be? What qualities do you uh, want to have in your life in that last chapter, which sometimes, honestly can be quite challenging. Um, So this book raises that question and I've been thinking about it uh, ever ever since and the author raised you know identified a number of certain qualities that he would like to see in his life. Things like gratitude which I think is key continue to grow intellectually and in other ways become uh, gracious and compassionate and to continue to serve right up until the end. You know, Christians aren't really supposed to retire. We retire maybe from our jobs, but we keep serving and use the gifts that God has given us. But this is the one that really struck me as he talked about what kind of old man do you want to be. He said, I want to be an old man who invests in the next generations, who really cheers them on, is you know, an advocate for the generations that are coming up behind him or her. Enthusiastic, enthusiastically takes interest in uh, younger people. I want to be someone who passes on what perhaps I have learned, if they'd like to hear that, and most importantly, passes on the faith. To the next generation and, and cheers them on. That's the old kind of old man I want to be. That, and it would be nice if they thought it was cool, but <laughs> we'll see about that. I think if you invest in them and love them, they will think you're cool. Here's the deal, and really the focus for today God's hope for each one of us, and I think God's plan for each one of us, is. For us to be persons who invest, who cheer on the next generations, who pass on the gospels, gospel to the generations who are behind us. It's interesting that this is how faith is passed on. You know, I've, I've heard from a number of you um, about Sam Lindemood, and so he's kind of in hushed, reverent tones. <laughs> he was the pastor here, for, I, I think, 20 years from what I can gather, an amazing man. And I've heard a couple of you tell me that he would often say, you know, Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And I, I believe that. It's because it's passed on from generation to generation. Oh, I guess we can, and it's usually through people. And this is what's amazing is God uses all of us to take care of this precious treasure that he's given us, this gospel, to pass on to the next generation. I guess we can, it can happen in other ways. We can listen to a podcast, we can uh, maybe just hear a sermon, um, attend a class, read a book. But usually, and you think of your own life, if you're a person of faith, how was that faith passed on to you? And you think in your own mind of a person, maybe one or two persons who, who passed on that faith to you, took a special interest in you, who somehow invested in your life? It's a simple strategy, but, boy, it's pretty effective, isn't it? I mean, think about how Christianity is spread. Jesus took three years of his life and spent time primarily with 12 kind of goofballs. <laughs> Very ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, ex tax collectors, you know, just ordinary guys, and women too. There were women in his band of disciples, but the primary 12 disciples were men. And he invested in them, he taught them. He never wrote a book, <laughs> he never spoke before hundreds of thousands of people, he never was on TV. He just invested in the lives of these 12 very ordinary men and women, about hundred people really were his disciples. And they took that and they invested in others and it's been going on for generations and generations and generations. And although in America, Christianity is declining in other parts of the world, it is exploding in Africa, South America, Asia still going and primarily through ordinary people grandmothers i can't tell you how many people have told me yeah it was my grandmother who passed on the faith to me fathers neighbors sunday school teachers youth leaders confirmation mentors you know you name it just keep passing it on somebody at some point in your life probably took an interest in you and and loved you and passed it on either through word or through deed or for both by both then they encouraged you and as you think about it probably be a very different person today if that person hadn't done that i know i would be oh my gosh very different I remember when I, you know, I wasn't raised in the church, most of you know that, I didn't really walk inside a church. I went to church once for a memorial of a friend of mine who died of a drug overdose, and other than that, didn't really go into a church. You know, 60% of 12-year-olds today have never walked inside a church in America? And that's an old statistic. It's probably 70 or 80% by now. But I remember my youth pastor telling me as I started going to this church, you know, if you decide to become a Christian, to follow Christ with your life, it's the biggest decision you'll ever make. And I thought, come on, I'm 12 years old, 13 years old. It's going to be the biggest decision I ever made. I had no idea. Changed everything for me. So the person who invested in you really influenced your life. So I think God calls each one of us, and I believe God calls each church to be an investing church for the next generations. Uh, this is my vision for our church. I hope within a few years we have that building is full of kids. I gotta tell you today, I was over there welcoming these, these children and their eyes just <laughs> lit up as they walked into this renovated building and all that was going on. It was, I wish you all could be there. Next week we'll show the video and you'll see. We have to be a church that invests, that's intentional, that keeps it at the forefront. I hope we will be known as a church that really values children and youth and investing in the generations behind us. I have to say, I'm so proud of our church. you know I have a friend, a good friend I think I've mentioned this before, who works for the San Fernando Presbytery. So that's the Presbytery that oversees the Presbyterian churches in the valley down in L.A. And part of his job is helping churches close with dignity and trying to figure out what to do with what often is a pretty big sum of money and property. What to do with this? And there are many churches closing, as there are in our San Francisco Presbytery. You know, I'm Presbyterian, so I know this. And most of those churches, they have these huge amounts of money, (laughs) and they're closing their doors. I am so proud of our church that we have used the money that has been left to us by some generous people to invest in this next-gen program it's the smartest thing you, we could have done I told the Board of Trustees the rainy day is now <laughs> you don't have to save it for a rainy day God will take care of us and God has and God will and it's gonna be amazing to see what happens as we invest in these next generations you know, um, I think this passage, well both our scriptures today are so great. You know, first in Psalm seventy-one, Lord, even when I'm old and gray <laughs> I love that. I'm not quite there. I don't think I'm old yet because I don't have gray hair. I, it's starting to come in, but not quite. But when I'm old and gray, man, well may I continue to declare your goodness in your mighty deeds. And then this this passage from Second Timothy, I love this letter. It's, it's this letter from the Apostle Paul. It's not a real well-known book. It's this letter from the Apostle Paul, and he is in the final chapters of his life. We think, most scholars say, this could have been the very last letter that he wrote that we have. And it's not like in Philippians where he was in, uh, because he was a Roman citizen, he was in house arrest. No, he's in a dark, dingy dungeon somewhere. And he never gets out, we don't think. And so he's in the last chapter, the last days. He knows he's going to die. And this is, you know, later on in this this book, uh, we have those great famous words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And so he knows he's leaving, and he's writing this letter to this young man, Timothy. Now, Paul, if you don't know it, he was a force. I think when he walked in a the room, there wasn't too much air left for anybody else. Big personality, forceful personality. But Timothy is very timid, and you could see that in this, these words to him. He's kind of timid, a little bit shy, and Paul is trying to encourage him. Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that you use, that God has given you. Be courageous. God has given us a spirit of power and discipline. So be bold. So he's encouraging this this young man who isn't really his biological son. He's like a son to him, and he's invested in him, and he's passing the baton. I I love this letter. And the first thing that we see, and this is I'm just going to highlight three ways that we can uh, cheer on the next generation. Paul says, I am thankful for you, Timothy. I thank God every time I pray for you and I remember you. I am I'm thankful for you. He has gratitude. Now, this sometimes, is, it's not easy sometimes to be grateful for the next generations behind us. Sometimes we can be kind of jealous. You know, I've told you I've been working out. I work at, out at this thing called Orange Theory. It's pretty intense, high intensity. I'm probably usually the oldest person in there. Most of them are in their 20s and 30s. And I look at them and I think, you just wait. (laughs) Easy to be jealous. You know, they run and run and run. (laughs) And they jump around and they can actually jump and, you know, all this other stuff. But I try to cheer them on. (laughs) But sometimes we can be resentful, you know, Uh, or we can think, oh, they just don't do it right. You know, their music is too loud. They're not doing it the way we would have done it. They organize things differently. They have tattoos and piercings and, you know, all the rest. Easy to be maybe resentful or even jealous. But Paul is thankful, and he communicates his gratitude to Timothy. Timothy. Second thing he does is he prays for Timothy. And you know what's great about prayers, we can all pray. Even if you're stuck in bed or homebound, those folks listening online, you can pray. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to give you names of kids that you can pray for all year on September 10th. Um, it's amazing to me how many times I hear in a conversation, my grandmother prayed for me for years. So Paul prayed for Timothy, and Paul affirmed Timothy. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. God has gifted you. I see it in you. Fan it into flame. Grow it. Use it. Maybe one of the most important things about investing in someone is helping them see the gifts that they have that they can't see for themselves. You know, I think I've told you before when I was in my senior year of high school, I met every, every week with a, a man from our church and he was mentoring me in the faith. And we'd read a passage, we'd have breakfast, read a passage of scripture, talk about it, and then we'd, he'd pray for me. It's pretty simple, 45 minutes to an hour. But I'll never forget one time, he told me, Steve, I see great gifts in you for, for pastoral ministry. And here I am a squirrely teenager undisciplined. Didn't really have a big vision for my life. Steve, I see, you know, you could be like Ray Ortland, who was our pastor at the time. And Ray was like God. He's like Sam Lindemuth, right? I thought, really? You see that in me? I've told you this before, but I thought about Preaching in front of people, and I would get, I mean, my first year of preaching, I got sick. So nervous. Never could believe I could do this. Now I can just get up and talk, and you guys are looking at your watches. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) But he saw something in me. He saw a preferred future for me that I couldn't see for myself. And this is what we have to do for the people behind us. Yeah, we can do it through teaching Sunday school. We can do it in an organic way of, you know, the kids that your friends are kids with. Love them. See them as kids that that have a future. Affirm them. Pray for them. Love them. Now may we be this type of church. Not just with the generations behind us, but with each other. These, this generation, I think, especially these younger kids, teenagers, they need our love more than anything else. And may we find ways to love them, to let them know that they're valuable. I mean, I have to tell you, this social media, media stuff, I am not anti-media, I am not anti-technology, but it is stressful for these kids. And they feel like they never quite measure up. And I want our church to be a place where they come and they know that they matter, that they're valued, that God loves them, that we love them, regardless of their GPA and what college they get into and how beautiful or not beautiful they are, or how athletic they are. Oh, these kids have pressures. May this be a place where they come and they are just loved and celebrated for who they are. In fact, that'd be good for all of us, don't you think? <laughs> May we be that kind of church through God's grace and through God's power. Amen. God, we thank you um, for those people in our lives who passed on the faith to us, who gave us this life in Christ, which has made such a difference as we journey through all the ups and downs of life. We thank you for those who have invested in us. And Lord, right now we think of the people who took time to really pray for us, to love us, to maybe give us a picture of the preferred future and lord we take just a second a minute to thank you for them lord help us to be investors help us as a congregation to invest in the next generations and we pray for this new ministry that um kids may know that they are loved, that they may come and discover this great life, this love that you have for them, and enjoy a community that loves them without the ifs. And we pray all these things in Christ's name, amen. amen. Well, let's go ahead and take this morning's offering, and let's <clears throat> respond with joy to all that God has given to us. And remember, as you give... it. Your giving helps make things like NextGen possible. So let's give with uh, great generosity and joy. And if you are here for the first time and want to put one of those connect cards in the offering plate, you can do that as it comes around.
1: Thank you.
2: join together in the prayer of thanksgiving printed in your bulletin. Gracious God, you are the giver of all good gifts, our talents, our treasure, our very lives. Accept these gifts we offer as testimonies of our love for you and our desire to serve you. In our giving, we make a declaration. Our lives are in your hands. We affirm our desire to be bold in our discipleship, not hiding our talents in the ground, not afraid to risk. We dare to be children of light, ministering in your name and passing on the good news of your grace from one generation to the next. This we pray in the name of Jesus, the light of the world, amen.
0: thank you for his presence in our
1: <laughs> when I can talk, but one of the things that saved me not only coming and working with Michael, which uh, I considered such a privilege, uh, was the men's Bible study. Mm-hmm. So shout out to you guys. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of my favorite hours of the week. Mm-hmm. So good, Wow, sweet. Sorry about <laughs>
0: together. And so my dear friends, as you leave this place now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his hands upon you and give us all peace, both now and forever. And all God's people said, A-ha. Amen. See you all in the final. Thank you.